Hey guys, I just wanted to say you should all check out Star Wars The Clone Wars The Animated Series on Disney+. Plus. Enjoy the show. Wait, that, that's it, TJ. You're not going to like say anything about systematic ecology or new podcast, nothing, just watch Clone Wars? Well, uh, if you insist, uh, after you watch The Clone Wars, or before, I guess, uh, you should listen to our new podcast, uh, Systematic Geekology, to hear both of us and Joe D talk about the, si- the show from a Christian perspective. I assume it'll take you until at least October 7th to watch the whole series, so that's when that episode comes out. So, look for that. Yeah, yeah. And in the meantime, uh, you could go to systematicgeekology.org, all one word, uh, to find out more or to subscribe to the show for free so you don't miss the launch date. Yeah. And if you want to, you can listen to the first four to six episodes early uh, by subscribing to our new Patreon account, uh, patreon.com forward slash systematic geekology. Check that out, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, our episode about the Clone Wars, with Joe, and a few other episodes with several other hosts talking about geek stuff and faith will be available too. Um, they can also find the link to our Patreon account you mentioned on our website. Uh, you mean systematicgeekology.org? Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we probably said that enough times, right? Don't uh, remember. Probably. Probably. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Whole Church Podcast, where we are very grateful for our patrons. Over on Patreon, you guys are the best. I am one of your co-hosts, Joshua Knoll, here with your other co-host, the one and only TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Hello. Hello. And we are also joined once more by uh, Dr. Greg Allison, who is a professor of systematic theology at Southern Baptist University, author of many books. Uh, Today, we're here to talk about his newest book, embodied living as a whole people in a fractured world uh dr allison welcome to the show once again thank you again thanks joshua and tj for having me back oh yeah it's a it's a real honor to be able to have you on at all and twice is phenomenal so we're pretty excited about that um and yeah like i said today we're going to be covering his newest book and before we get to that though we do like to review some of our audience engagement you may have real noticed that recently we updated our uh logo for our podcast and I just wanted to shout out a lot of our audience had a lot to do with that. Uh, TJ and I couldn't decide which one to go with. So we just kept throwing out designs and you guys kept suggesting, hey, what if you did this, but then tweaked that until we finally got what we had. Um, lots of people helped. So I can't name everybody. Please don't feel left out. Uh, but I did want to do a special shout out to a few people. Uh, Chandler Goodrich, Dr. Keith Sherlin, uh, Joseph Day, uh, Andrew Fouts and Taj Sean. You guys are phenomenal. Thank you so much for your help with that. Uh, we were actually astounded at how many people really jumped in and kind of participated with that um, with that work we did. And as always, we like to start with a silly question because silliness is my personal favorite type of unity uh, because it's really hard to argue seriously when you're talking about animals playing hockey. Um, today's silly question, speaking of which is other than ducks, because that's just too easy, which animals would you most enjoy watch, watching play hockey? Um, and I'm going to answer first, uh, because I want to piggyback off of what TJ said in our last silly question. Um, I want to see giant squids play hockey. Um, I, I personally think, assuming that they they could learn how to play, it'd be some fascinating fights to watch. 
Yeah. All right, DJ. So there's a lot to be said about this question. Uh, one time I read an article called uh, Could Five Catfish Form a Hockey Team? Uh, great article written by a good friend of mine. But uh, the answer was a resounding no. Uh, that, of course, <laughs> was inspired by Nashville throwing catfish on the ice at their games. Uh, Detroit has throw, had an octopus thrown on theirs a good couple times. Uh, ah, one of the best. Go. Great. Every time. Uh, <laughs> the best NHL commercial uh, I can think of right now had a walrus uh, playing goaltender. Uh, but that's too easy. Uh, so yeah, TJ, this isn't an answer. <laughs> so well, I'm getting to it. Uh, I would choose any chimpanzee uh, because I think we could teach a chimp how to play hockey, and they are just aggressive. See, I just started with the premise that we're able to teach whatever animal it is, because hmm. that just you know made it easier for me. Chimpanzee. <laughs> I'm t- I think they'd be the best at it. Uh, yeah, uh, Doctor Allison, uh, which animal would you think you would most enjoy watching play hockey? I'm going to watch, I'm going to go with the uh, giraffe, because if you can strap on the uh, hockey skates, all they have to do is basically do one movement, and they're all the way across the rink, so uh, they could be awesome playing both offense, defense, and probably goaltender all at the same time. Yeah. Plus, it's just particularly amusing to imagine a giraffe on skates. Um, <laughs> I think they would need uh, yeah, they would. Their heads would be poking out above the stadium, <laughs> right? So that's okay. Yeah. Uh, for our listeners, um, because I feel like y'all should know this, um, of the three of us, I'm the only one who doesn't watch hockey. So please just assume my answer was the worst because it, it was. <laughs> right. But uh, on to the real show. Uh, last time you were on the show, uh, it was a few months ago, Joshua completely overlooked the fact that you were publishing a new book. Uh, since then, the book embodied living as a whole people in a fractured world has been published. Uh, how has the work been received so far? I think it's doing really well. Uh, it's great to be on podcasts like yours to talk about it. Uh, I've gotten really good feedback from a good number of people. And what's uh, really interesting, kind of peculiar to me, is the fact that uh, the same time that my book is coming out, several other books related to theology <laughs> of human embodiment, uh, they've come out. Timothy Tennant has a book, uh, For the Body. John Kleinig has a book, Wonderfully Made a Protestant Theology of the Body. Sam Alberry is coming out, just has come out with a book on uh, what God wants you to know about your body. Preston Sprinkle has a book entitled Embodied. It's about transgenderism. Nancy Percy, of course, did Love Thy Body. It's very interesting that the five, six, seven of us, though we're writing uh, and researching independently, we're saying some of the very same things. So I want to say, I think this work is being received uh, properly at this time because it's God's timing for this topic to really come to the forefront of discussion. Yeah, it really sounded like a God thing, the way you worded that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Right. Uh, so recently we had a former student of yours, uh, Joshua's former professor, uh, return to the show, Dr. Peter Beck. Uh, we were talking about the importance of Genesis 1 through 11, and he brought up your work on embodied theology. Uh, what impact would you say Genesis 1 through 11 had on your work for the book? I think it's been foundational for my book. And I uh, just thinking through uh, just the first few chapters. So in Genesis chapter 1, uh, 
let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So, so God purposes to create human beings in his image. And obviously he creates us as embodied human beings. So God's very purpose for us is that we would have a created body. And then in, uh, Genesis 1:27. So God creates man in his image, in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. So we have the gendered body, which is reinforcing in uh, Genesis chapter two, the creation of the embodied Adam and the creation of the embodied Eve and their male and female. And then in that same chapter, we've got particular body. We've got Adam is a particularly uh, embodied gendered human being. Ditto for Eve, a particularly embodied female human being. We've got uh, a social body with relationships. We've got community. Uh, we've got God's design for his people to relate and to bond together in friendship. And then we have the sexual body where to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. We've got Adam and Eve having Cain and Abel. There's lots of procreation going on. So just the first few chapters in Genesis set up my first five chapters in my book, the created body, gendered body, particular body, social body, and sexual body. So it's all coming out of the first few chapters of Genesis. Wow. Yeah. And it's, um, so much of doctrine and theology in general comes out of that very beginning of Genesis. I mean, obviously we have other places that we, we get it from as well, but that's sort of the foundation place for a lot of, a lot of good Christian thought. Um, yeah. So that being said, <laughs> uh, one of my favorite things when we talk to people about their books is I, I love hearing the inspiration behind stuff. Um, well, it's not just books, you know, movies, anything. I, I love hearing Stan Lee talk about his inspiration for Iron Man. I think it's funny. He was like, I just wanted to create the most unlikable character I could and make people like him. Anyway, inspiration behind stuff. I really enjoy it. Um, could you kind of give us some of the backstory on how you decided to come up with uh, this book and what kind of what inspired you? So as I began my teaching career out in Portland, Oregon, teaching at Western Seminary, I had a student come into my office after class one day, Drake. And he, uh, after a little bit of initial chit-chat, he, he started listing all these physical problems he was having. You know, gastrointestinal problems. He couldn't really sleep. He was very lethargic. He'd read a book for class. He couldn't remember anything, right? He had stomach problems. and on and on and on. And he said, so doc, uh, what's the spiritual problem at the, at the root of all these physical problems? And I answered by uh, a series of questions like, what are you eating? Uh, how are you sleeping, exercising, resting and all like that? And he was very perturbed because he didn't want me exploring physical stuff. He wanted me to give some spiritual answers. But my observation was, listen, you're, you're not eating nutritional meetings. You're not exercising. You're not resting. You can't sleep. And I really think you've got physical problems caused by physical problems. And he did not like that answer. He got up huff and left the office, very disappointed, but it threw me into kind of a crisis. So what should I, as a systematic theologian at an evangelical seminary, what should I share from the Word of God in sound theology to answer Drake's question? And so that propelled me into now a decades-long exploration of a theology of human embodiment. So that came out, you know, over well over two decades ago. 
Wow. Yeah. And uh, if I remember correctly, you kind of include part of that story in the book as well, right? The very beginning of, this, of the book is, is that story. That's what prompted I thought I remembered that one. I was like, ah, I've heard this. And, and I've been intending to write this book then for decades. I've been teaching on it for at least 20 some years. And I've always wow. intended to write this book and dedicate it to my wife. But, you know, historical theology book came in the way. And so you're the strangers, a bunch of other books got in the way until I finally got it published this year. And so it has this uh, dedication to my wife, thanking her for her patience and her exhorting <laughs> me to finally get this thing written. So it's the book that for decades I've wanted to write. And I'm really pleased that we're talking about it today. Right. I right. think I would have uh, I think I would have told him spiritually, I think you have Crohn's disease. Uh, but <laughs> I'm not a medical doctor. I'm a doctor, but I can't really help anybody. Right. <laughs> right? Uh, <Yeah>. so, <laughs> uh, what are some of the biggest struggles you think our listeners might face that you address in the book? I think most of our listeners are going to be infected with this uh, disease or heresy called Gnosticism that really elevates our spiritual side our immaterial, uh, soulish dimension, and really overlooks or disparages or even despises our uh, bodily aspect. And, and so my opening issue in chapter one, and it's very provocative, I make this statement, I am my body. And I think that if our listeners are really geared into, well, what I'm basically is a soul or a spirit, what's this guy talking about I am my body, I think it's going to really throw them for a loop, but I hope that will grab their attention. And I think a lot of our readers, our listeners, uh, struggle with body image. Uh, they, they are not at all pleased with what they look like, their body mass, their body shape, tallness, shortness, uh, fat, short, uh, skinny, uh, non-athletic or very athletic. They're going to, most Americans deeply struggle at some point in their life with body image. And, and so I hope they will connect with uh, my section on body image, but I, I know that they struggle with that. Um, I talk quite a bit about uh, male and female relationships uh, and in the body of Christ, how we're not only friends, but we're also family members. We're brothers and sisters. I think a lot of our listeners struggle to know how to uh, live pure, holy, upright relationships with one another. We're so tinged with sexual problems and all like that. So I, I think that's going to challenge them. How can men and women in the church be friends? And then also, I really go into some of the primary difficulties that our listeners struggle with, like porn and lust and masturbation, same-sex attraction, gluttony, sloth, lack of exercise, lack of nutrition, things like that. And if they're struggling in these areas, I they, they may feel uncomfortable with uh some of the material that I have, but I hope it's it's I hope they'll 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 read it and and really learn, get some help from it as well. Right. Yeah. And um I just want to throw in there, um because you know he can't brag about himself, so I have to, I have to do some for him. Um <laughs> <laughs> I was really impressed how you didn't cop out and you didn't avoid certain topics. Um, you know, I, I was expecting just just because, you know, we're all evangelical, like oh, we're going to avoid using the phrase purity culture. Right. And I was like, oh, he's um, he's just going to say it. You know, he's going to say hey, this is this is 
can be a problem in this particular way, but also can be good in this way. And I was like, oh, um, and even um, calling out some of the gender role issues. And I was like, well, okay, so he's not going to tiptoe around things enough. That's something I really appreciated. And I especially appreciated the, uh, like you said, the stuff with body image. I do think that's like, like you said, it's a huge struggle for most Americans, not even just Christians. Yeah. Uh, great so, so I hope this uh, motivates our listeners to dig in. Uh, because I think there'll be a lot of challenging things, but like you said, I, I, I don't skirt any issues. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so what kind of answers uh, does the book have for that sort of struggle? Um, it's embracing the fact that God, who is sovereign over all things, was also intimately involved in knitting us together in our mother's womb, Psalm 139. So his design for us is to be embodied. And so his design for us is that we uh, are created exactly the way we're created. We are unique, particular, one of a kind. And if we can grasp the fact that even though we don't like ourselves in terms of our body image, we struggle with it. If we begin to think, but God has designed you and created you to be exactly the way that you are and that you are his beloved image bearer, and that Jesus died for you to redeem you and is fully conforming you to the image of Jesus Christ, I hope that that will push people to more readily accept uh, how God has created them, be thankful for the way God has created them, and then work through those issues of struggling with body image. Yeah, yeah, and... um. Just, yeah, yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. I just, um, I'm in agreement with you there. Um, now, now, one thing, and you as a guest probably realize this, a lot of people who've done anything with me know, I really enjoy organization. Yep. And I like when things are structured certain ways where I'm like, oh, okay, that makes me see the point better. I, I'm just a nerd about structure, really. Um, and that's one thing I really enjoyed about the book was it was you were very intentional about how you divided up where each chapter went. So there was kind of a flow to the overall book, but especially uh, you divide up each chapter into the sections of the topic, the big idea, the application, and sort of a deep dive for, and uh, I think you titled it uh, for the curious section there, right? That's Um, right. How and why did you decide to divide up your chapters in that kind of way? So uh, my publisher, Baker, we had a conversation early on should I do a book on a theology of human embodiment for a scholarly audience or for a lay audience? And they really pushed me to write for a lay audience. And so I'm thinking, what's the best delivery system that will uh, help my uh, audience read each chapter? And and so I decided I'm going to open up with a kind of the the uh, a to- the topic with a provocative question or statement. So a statement like, uh, I am my body. Do you agree or disagree and why? And that's kind of a hook to grab them and to introduce the topic, to get them thinking. So whatever's been distracting them up to the point where they're actually reading the book. So I want to grab them and say, this is what we're going to talk about. I am my body. Do you agree or disagree? Get them thinking. Then I talk about the big idea. So on a scholarly level, this would be my thesis. This is the theme, the one point of focus of this entire chapter. It's that uh, the uh, proper state of human existence is embodiment. 
And then I put the application up front because I want them to know I'm going to take you uh, through this chapter and we're going to end it with the application. This is the application. So again, they're thinking about it. They know exactly where I'm going to go. And then to do a deeper dive, I do have this section for the curious where uh, where, where things that my readers who want really want to explore other issues like lust and pornography, polyamory, um, phantom limbs, uh, worshiping and things like that, liturgy and stuff, they can do a deeper dive. If they don't want to read that section, that's fine. They still get the main idea of the chapter. Right. Yeah. I um just because I'm weird, read through read through the whole book just as is. I then kind of went back and like nitpicked some of the for the curious and like reread it because I I just like the kind of thinking exercises like that. It was really cool. That's great. Yep. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. I, I'm glad that you read that that section. Those sections. <laughs> I, I think yeah, thanks. Fun. Yeah. Hey guys, we just wanted to take a quick break to tell you a few ways that you can support us, the whole church podcast, your favorite church unity podcast. Yeah, so you can donate to our Cash App using the tag that's in the show notes. You can follow us on patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever great podcasts are found. You can rate this show on Apple Podcast or Podchaser. You can sign up for our newsletter by going to our website or by emailing us at thewholechurch@gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or you could share this episode on your own social media. Especially that last one. Uh, news travels fastest by word of mouth, which, you know, since the internet has been invented is much, much faster than it used to be. And ridiculously helpful. So please just, you know, slap this episode up on your socials. You think it'd be more or less helpful if they went to their neighbor's house and mentioned it also? Probably less. Depends on how friendly your neighbors are. Uh, Should we get back to the show? Yeah. So an important lesson for many is how God views us belittling our own bodies uh, when they make up a large part of who he created us to be. What is the biggest lesson people can learn from appreciating their body more? Um, I, I think it is what I just said. They can understand that the proper state of human existence is embodiment, that God has designed and created us just as we are as embodied image bearers. Uh, God created a realm of beings that are immaterial creatures. They're called angels. And we're not them. But God also (laughs) created a realm of other beings, human beings, who are embodied creatures, and we are those human beings. And and, and so uh, God's design has been fulfilled in his creation of us as his embodied image bearers. And and, and therefore, I I hope uh, our listeners, our readers, would then be able to take that and uh, think through their struggles with body image and and the problems they might be, might have. And this also, I think, a, a proper understanding, appreciating our body more will also help our listeners as they're being sanctified, as they're pursuing sanctification that is maturing in Jesus Christ. It's not just about spiritual disciplines to uh, form our spirit. It's not just about reading the Bible and praying to nourish our soul. We need to be sanctified holistically because we're holistic uh, body, soul uh, beings. And, and so if we want to mature completely holistically in Jesus Christ, 
We've got to consider the importance of our body and work in physical disciplines and all like that. And for our listeners who are, for example, doing counseling, we, we counselors need to counsel people holistically. Mm-hmm. So it's not just uh, providing spiritual counsel or nourishment for their soul, but also acknowledging that there may be some deep-seated physical realities uh, that are manifesting themselves in various ways in embodied forms. And if we're going to make progress as counselors, we need to think of traumatic events and things like depression and all like that that are uh, can be very, very harmful and prevent a strong uh, pursuit of maturing in Jesus Christ. And um, I, I personally am extremely grateful that you mentioned stuff like depression, um, which I, I don't remember. It was during the show or right before the show. Um, I, I was talking about, you know, my own struggles with ADHD. Um, I know people who struggle with depression. I think it's really important that the church owns that, hey, uh, we might not have always gotten this right, but some of that is a body issue. And that falls under this embodied theology that we're talking about today. So that's really important stuff. And I, I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, so if we suffer from depression or ADHD, to the degree that there's a physical component, and I would say in the vast majority, if not all the majority of those cases, there's some kind of physical component. If we're not taking care of that physical element, we're not really moving people along to where they can be flourishing. And that's what we want to do, don't we? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. It's super important stuff there. Um, now, one one other thing, uh, and this is just to drop a bomb here, but uh, you import, you discussed the importance that we acknowledge that Jesus was embodied just as we are embodied. And it was fun when you brought it up, you went through all the other sections of the book leading up to that saying, say, here's where you see Jesus here. Here's where you see Jesus experiencing it here. Um, why does God choose to use embodiment even for the most sacred of things like his son's birth, death, resurrection? So to go back to something we just said a few minutes ago, God did create a realm of beings that are immaterial, they're angels. He then created human beings, so we're embodied creatures. We are the ones who fell into sin, so we are the ones who need rescuing by God to uh, restore us into uh, his image. And so the Son, this is Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and following, the Son did not come to help angels, to rescue angels, If he did, he would have taken on angelic nature. Rather, he came to rescue us, human beings, uh, embodied image bearers. So he had to become just like us, flesh and blood, right, and embodied. So in order for the son uh, to rescue us, he had to become incarnate. Or let's change that up a little bit. He had to become embodied, the God who is embodied, fully human and fully God, but fully human mind, soul, uh, emotions, will, motivations, purposing, body. He had to become fully human so that he could rescue us so that we could become fully conformed to his image so that we could become fully saved when we experience the resurrection of our bodies at his return. So it's a beautiful thing that God has rescued us through the embodiment of his son. Wow. Yeah, that's... um. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, man, he just he dropping truth on you guys, um, <laughs> on us too. You know, we're here. Uh, how, <laughs> so how can an understanding of of this whole topic, um, the embodied theology here, how can an understanding of that change the church? 
Um, when was the, let me ask my uh, listeners, our listeners here, when was the last time you heard a sermon um, on uh, lust or gluttony or sloth, physical exercise, rest, nutrition, sleep? My guess is never. And yet these are very important sins of the body against which we wrestle. These are very important realities, sleep, nutrition, exercise, if we're going to flourish as human beings. If we don't preach and teach and mentor and counsel and disciple people in these areas, we are not sharing uh, everything that we can and everything that they need in order to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Well, I think this just opens the horizon to preachers and teachers and counselors and disciples and mentors to say, there's a whole lot of work we need to do today in incorporating a theology of human embodiment in all aspects of our church. I think it's just full uh, encompassing here. Right. So what do you think would be the most important takeaway someone could have from reading this book? I want uh, our listeners to embrace embodiment as God's design for them and thus don't neglect, belittle, or disrespect or dismiss their physicality. Um, we Christians, we in our churches, why don't we ever talk in, about embodiment? We need to. We need to embrace our embodiment, God's design for us. And stop neglecting, belittling, disparaging, dismissing our physicality. All right. So when people ask you about or talk to you about embodied living as a whole people in a fractured world, uh, what is one question you wish they would ask you? Why don't we ever talk about this? Why is this the first time I'm ever reading about this? Because if they're asking, why don't we ever talk about this? I think then I've grabbed their attention and I say, well, I've never heard this before. And I hope that they'll want to explore it more and they'll push leaders in the church to say, we need to talk about this. We need to preach about this and teach about it as well. So, uh, Dr. Allison, why don't we ever talk about this? <laughs> uh, well, it's uh, again, I think we're infected with this old heresy, this old infection of uh, Gnosticism. We just for uh, the church's history, going back into Greek philosophy, it's our spirit, our soul, our immaterial being that is really the most important thing, the most true thing about us. And our body, well, it's it's not it's unimportant or it's a hindrance to God's work in our life. Uh, it's a the seed of evil. And if we're infected by this, we never talk about the body because we don't want to get involved in those evil kinds of things. So um, that would that would be just kind of encapsulated. I think this is why we don't talk about it in a general way. How do we how do we overcome that? Uh, we we uh, read a growing <laughs> number of books on embodiment because we're saying very similar things in very different ways. But um, and maybe just take a, a, a test case here. So um, we we have friends who are experiencing gender dysphoria and maybe are even in the process of transing, becoming uh, trans people. And we wonder, what can we do to uh, 
befriend them and help them? What can we do to share with them? Where do we even begin? Do we use pronouns? What, what do we even call them? How are we not repulsed by this? And I think a theology of human embodiment doesn't make the questions and the interaction with them any easier, but at least it gives us a biblical and theological foundation, a starting place to say, and here I'm quoting my friend Timothy Tennant, Je uh, Jeremiah 7 talks about the heart is deceitful about all things, but then Tennant adds brilliantly, but our body always tells the truth. Mm. And that's yeah. just right. Yeah. So I can deceive myself. I can think by my imagination, I'm something other than what I am, an XY male human being. My body always tells the truth. I'm gendered all the way down. I'm XY all the way down. I'm a male all the way down. I can, I can change my clothing and appearance and things like that, but my body always tells the truth. And uh, I think we overcome it by confronting issues that are way beyond our ability to address and saying, what could a theology of human embodiment say to address these pressing social and moral issues today? Yeah. And I'll even say, I think a lot of the hatefulness around some of those topics really comes from, we're just uncomfortable thinking about the body at all. So I think just becoming comfortable thinking about our bodies might lead to less hateful answers. And that would be pretty cool. It would be. Yeah. Comf being yeah. comfortable in our body. Uh, being comfortable in our own skin. I, I would love for that, for our, our audience to, to become comfortable in their own skin. Right. Oh, yeah. And that um, is even, that's the term for non-trans is cis, is comfortable in your own skin. Exactly. Like it's, exactly. Huh. I always thought it had something to do with, um, like, you know how organic chemistry, the molecules are like always cis or trans. Anyway, that makes more sense. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Dr. Allison, as you know, we always like to end our episode by asking people um, to just give us a single tangible action that our listeners can go and do to help maintain the unity in the church. And uh, for guests who have been on more than once, we like to try and make it a little more specific from time to time. Um, is there anything you could think of that we could use our bodies, you know, we could physically do that would help maintain the unity of the whole church? Um, I think deeply appreciating that God has created us as, as gendered embodied image bearers and deeply appreciate the fact. So we as men that we can have community with, build friendships with, bond properly with, uh, female gender embodied image bearers. And if we can overcome the hypersexualization that's infected the church through the culture, these rampant suspicions, right, that women are temptresses and guys are just, you know, sex machines. And, and rather than approaching one another with this worldly idea is to see ourselves as male embodied image bearers and female embodied image bearers, brothers and sisters in Christ designed for relationship and community man, I think that would go a long way of breaking down all these crazy barriers that we've erected and say, can't we just be friends, brothers and sisters? And if we do that, we're going to have good conversations, love one another, pray for one another, care for one another, and so forth. This is going to bring about a lot of unity, I think, I hope. All right. I was, um, 
I was pretty surprised in, in the book where you specifically challenge some of our thinking around the Billy Graham or Mike Pence rule. Um, you know, not that it's never been challenged before. It's just sometimes I feel like we are skittish about, you know, even mentioning some of our heroes and thinking about what if they weren't completely right. And um, I, yeah. yeah, I thought it was I mean, awesome. If- that you went if there. Uh, we adopt the Billy Graham rule or the Mike Pence rule, we, we would adopt it because we want to be above reproach, holy and pure. But what does that communicate to the women who to whom basically we're communicating in one way or another? Listen, I'm pure. I'm holy. I can't be at a coffee shop with you, right? Because you may be a temptress, a seductress. Uh, and what will people think anyway if they see us together, right? They'll assume the worst. You know, it's my holiness and my purity can never be at the expense of my sisters, right? My, women uh, in the church. And and, it, and and too often the Billy Graham rule, Mike Pence rule, does really disparage others that uh, we should have relationships with. We just can't have that. Right. And for those who don't know, that, that rule is just... Um... Basically, the idea that you can never be alone with someone of the other gender, just ever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So uh, you already answered my next question uh, as a part of your practical action. Uh, So we're going to get right on to our God moment segment, uh, where we all just bring up a moment recently in our lives where we saw God, whether that be a worship or a challenge, a blessing, anything in between. And I always like to make Josh go first. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to give several today, TJ. Okay. Um, and they're all just that I, I keep having these moments where I begin to feel a little anxious about different things um, the last couple of weeks. And I've just had these like waves of overwhelming peace come over me. And um, I, I don't know how to explain it other than, you know, it's just like you're sitting there and you're thinking about a bunch of things and all of a sudden peace. And uh, it's been pretty cool. I've enjoyed it. All right. Awesome. Uh, I will go next just to give Dr. Allison as much time as he needs or wants. Uh, I recently got to go see a, a couple of friends at their new house. Uh, it, it's a, a great little place and I'm not going to say where they live, but it's a nice house. Uh, super proud of them getting married in college and actually finding a place to live that they can afford, which is not easy for most people right now. Uh, but it's got everything they need. Couple bedrooms, couple bathrooms, yard for the dog. And it's great. Great to see them. So that's nice. Uh, Dr. Allison, do you have a God moment for us? So, um, I've been going through a, a particularly difficult period of my life. Um, uh, quite a bit of brokenness and, without going into any details, it's, it's been a real challenge. It's been a really dark time. And, uh, what I've been learning through this is, um, I know God as my father who deeply loves me and cares for me, despite whatever bad circumstances are going around. And God, the son, uh, uh, he is able to sympathize empathize with me because he's been through some of the very similar things. And I know God, the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter, 
and he cannot exercise his comfort except where there's a lack of comfort, where there's disturbance. And so I've, I've just really been so thankful to God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for revealing, manifesting uh, their, their uh, fatherness, sonship, and, and the Holy Spirit aspect, right, uh, in, in very deep and meaningful ways in, in this uh, pretty dark period of, uh, of my life. So I'm very, very thankful for that. Yep. Uh, so uh, thank you for your time today, Dr. Allison. Uh, if you're listening, thank you for your time. And please consider sharing the episode with a friend. Uh, whoever can share it with the most people and send me proof, I'll Venmo you $10. Uh, we have a pretty good head start on that, though. So uh, good luck. And uh, wait, you're, you're counting how many times I've shared it? Yep. Oh, man. Um, wait, do I get $10? No. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, Dr. Allison, uh, where all can people go to find uh, your book and order a copy of Embodied, Living as a Whole People in a Fractured World? So the publisher's Bakers. You can go to Baker Publishing. You can go to Amazon and uh, find it there um, or any of your normal bookstores. It's uh, widely distributed. Awesome. Uh, so make sure to look for that. Uh, future guests for the show, we have Amy Watson, host of Wednesdays with Watson, Dr. Duval and Dr. Hayes, authors of Grasping God's Word, a hands-on approach to reading, interpreting, and applying the Bible. Return guest, Jake Doberins, founder of Theophany Media. And of course, at the end of season one, we are going to have Francis Chan. Yeah, he's the only one who's unaware, though. Right. Everybody else knows. <laughs> Everyone knows about Francis Chan. Uh, so once again, thank you for listening. And if you want to hear the last thing we do, go support us on Patreon.